0: I'm Arjay Schwartz, along with my co-host tonight, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. Rachel, uh, last night was wild. Um, I mean, it, it was it was an emotional roller coaster. I think is is not too cliche to use after last night. What do you think?
1: I mean, I wasn't able to sleep. I hope everybody out there has recovered at least a little bit um, emotionally. Um, yeah, sleep exhaustion wise. I hope everyone's doing all right because if you're anything like me, oh my goodness, that was that was insane. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, I, I was. I mean, we'll we'll start off with Dream vs. Washington. Um, a wild game. It's it's neck and neck throughout. Well, most of the game. At a certain point, Washington did pull away with, like, I think it was a seven-point lead, which was one of their largest of the game. Um, But then Atlanta just forged its way back. Now, my immediate reaction watching this game was the whole game, Atlanta kind of seemed to have an extra step, have an extra stride. And Washington, the whole game, I was surprised Washington was still in the game.
1: I would agree with that. I mean it it definitely looked like Atlanta came out defensively like like rare to go. You know, that that was something that they were going to do. They were going to be ready to go with it. Um but I mean this was a this was just a back and forth game. I mean, it was a game with I think it was like six lead changes. It was tied like 14 times. Um so this thing was was extremely kind of back and forth and and uh close-knit the whole the whole time and I think both teams at different periods kind of felt like you know maybe that they were going to run away with it that night and I think especially with Washington I mean we could bring up the elephant in the room I mean when, when DelaDon was doing what she was doing I mean pl- playing at such a high level um you kind of got the sense that she was going to take Uber especially in that fourth quarter um and run away with that thing and, Unfortunately, obviously, you know, as we all know, she she goes down with a knee injury and was unable to play. What was it? The final, final maybe three or four minutes, or was it longer? I thought
0: thought it was. I thought it was five or six. Um, But either way, I mean, I agree or disagree, Rachel. If Deladon doesn't go down, they win.
1: I agree. I agree that they win that game. Yeah, I do.
0: So, and you have to feel that Atlanta was able to steal a win which is huge in this series.
1: Well, I don't think it's as black and white as cut or as cut and dry as that. I think what, what Deladon is doing right now, elevating her game to just that, that greatness level, you know, that, that Tarazi ish level in terms of throwing the team on her back and, and, and trying to will them to victory. Um, I, I, am not saying it's a hundred percent that they would have wanted Deladon was in, but you know, cause Atlanta was played very well, you know, that they were balanced. Um, You know, they, they shot the ball well, they shot the ball better. Um, So that's, it's it's, now that I think about it, it's kind of tougher to call, but my initial reaction is more, more than likely. Yeah. Washington would have won that game. So yeah, you do get the sense that Atlanta, Atlanta ran ran away with one, which is pivotal um, going down the, down the stretch here. I mean, and it's hard to say, I mean, what, you know, I know they came out with the release earlier today um, on Wednesday about Belladon being questionable and obviously she's been checked out and there was no ligament damage. So, Um, I think we would all agree that her being a part of, you know, these next games is crucial, would be an understatement.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I really, truly believe that, and I know the stats don't necessarily agree or disagree with this, but like Atlanta just wasn't hitting shots early on when they were playing better basketball. And because of that, they put themselves in a tough spot. Also interesting. We talked about this before, Rachel, if you look at the turnovers, 17 and 11, 17 turnovers for Atlanta. We both kind of predicted the opposite that it was going to be a little bit more of a, a a check game for Atlanta that they would kind of get rid of their turnover woes. What does it say to you that that DC's been able to force that many turnovers over two games, like such a large differential?
1: Well, I think there were some that were kind of unforced, especially kind of kind of in, in, in key moments, you know, they, they they would get a stop from Washington and then you know, kind of turn it over just kind of on their own. Um, I don't know how many of them are actually forced by DC. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think defensively, Washington understands how important uh, that end of the floor is. And and if they want to have a chance uh, to, to win this series and get themselves to the finals, it has to be done on the, on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and I think that's that – we've seen a Mystics team kind of evolve through that mentality throughout the course of the season where, you know, obviously they're very offensive-minded. They, they want to take a lot of threes. They're going to take pretty pretty quick shots within the possession. But, um, you know, even even in recent interviews, talking to Natasha Cloud and, and talking to Elena Deladon, just they keep stressing the importance on the defense of the floor. And, and they really – I mean, they, they turned to turn Atlanta over 17 times um, – you know, I'm actually surprised <laughs> that the score was what it was, but I think this this is gonna be a, a series where it's probably gonna go to five, and I think every game is gonna be like this, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one of the things that well, the thing that stands out to me for why it was such a close game when we have certain stats like that is looking at the three point attempts. You have Atlanta going four for ten, which isn't amazing, but I mean that's pretty on par for Atlanta, kind of enough to win. You have DC going six for twenty, going six for twenty, when DC has such a dependency on the three point ball, just says a lot. Um, also, I, I'm surprised Christy Tolliver missed that last shot. I'll, I'm just gonna say it.
1: Well, I'm surprised Christy Tolliver missed you know that that clutch free throw leading up to it. You know, yeah, that was uh that that was a really crucial moment, and I think you could kind of tell that. Uh, the Mystics were shaken up a little bit because of you know the events and things that had happened. Um, it's it's hard to bounce back kind of from something like that um, when when your MVP kind of goes down. And I'm not saying that's the reason she missed the free throw, but that was a that was a clutch moment um, when she stepped up to the line and and things were were as close as they were. You know you you gotta you gotta the margin of error, and we're gonna talk about that a lot when it comes with both of these games in the series is so small. Um, especially down the line like that, you know, you got to play your cards. Perfect. You, you've got to, you gotta, you gotta take care of the basketball. You gotta, you gotta knock down free throws that that's what, that's what wins these games because it comes down to just the, the tiniest possession here and there that makes a difference. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, Tolliver, she, she created it for herself. Um, I was, I was a little bit uncomfortable even watching it because I, I felt like, man, like what, how are they going to get the shot off? But, but you know, she was able to get a good look. Um, and I think that's all you can ask for it on the stretch. I mean, you know, Tolliver had to take over in those moments. She had to be the one to take that shot, and it just didn't fall.
0: I mean, I personally, you know me. I say you do the fake to Tolliver and you feed out to finding Atkins or Cloud wide open for three. I think there was – I think if I remember the play correctly, uh, she did have two wide open players to her left that for an easy kick out. But, I mean, you, you can't go against having Tolliver take that last shot also, so it's not like a horrible thing. Um, all right, we got to move on to this next game. Cause this next, or uh, you want to get to the last yeah, point?
1: I, I want to bring up one more point. I mean, let, let's just quickly mention the, the, the play of Alex Bentley. I mean, was she not Oh yeah. last night? I mean, just, just for Atlanta some of the plays she was making, um, you know, that, that, that was, uh, she elevated her game as we've seen her do many times before. Uh, but I just wanted to make a quick shout out to her, Alex Bentley. I mean, she finished with 22, eight for 14, um, from the field two for three from the three point line. I mean she was she was great last night. And and another another key stat with Atlanta and we talk about them from the rebounding standpoint. They were completely dominant on the boards um totally dominant wanted,
0: and the blocks too
1: yeah and 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 they are they are you know such a such a strong defensive team but even to go along that it's just just the rebounding numbers and being able to secure those those boards Jessica Breeland finished with 14 rebounds as a, as a team they out rebounded the Mystics 44 to 26 that, that that's a dominating uh differential there 11 offensive rebounds so you're looking at different second chance opportunities you know uh, opportunities to run some clocks. So that was uh, just just the do- The job Atlanta did on the clock, uh, on the on the boards last night, um, and, and the play from Alex Bentley. Um, that was just. Uh, I just wanted to make note of that real quick before we moved on.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like we we kind of skimmed over this, but we should talk about it just very briefly, if not to say that uh, Elena Daldon is questionable for the Friday night game against Atlanta. I think you have to think competitive spirit. She's been here before, injured in the semifinals history says she will play history says she won't be a hundred percent, but she's going to give a hundred percent and don't count her out. Uh, you want to add anything to that?
1: No, I mean, her, her spirits are really good. I was able to kind of chat with her briefly. And, um, I think, um, you know, I'm thankful, not thankful that it happened, but I'm thankful that there's a few days here for her to be able to hopefully rest and recover. And they've got access to some of the best, um, gadgets and tools and things to assist her along the way and I'm just uh, I think we all speak for all of us when I say that you know we we, br- we breathe the sigh of relief today when we heard that it wasn't any anything more than a bone bruise um, and I, I don't want to downplay how painful a bone bruise can be um, they're extremely painful but um, she's she's gonna be she's gonna be okay and but you, that's what you can
0: play it. through a bone bruise you can't play through a uh, through an ACL tear
1: exactly exactly
0: yeah so moving on to the second game of last night, which was, just, I mean, I'm not even gonna lie, I wrote the Mercury off, um, I think and
1: I think we all did.
0: Oh yeah, but then classic. I think I tweeted out at one point, and Tarasi just made me look so intelligent. But I was like, "Are we about to view vintage Tarasi?" Um, she just went off.
1: Um, we we could we we really should. Spend all of our energy when when it comes to just just the time we spend talking about Phoenix about Tarazi right now because that was that was incredible. It was like it was like a switch went off and in her mind it was like I'm not going down and and uh, I th- I think even even for me I mean it had Phoenix been able to pull that out um, with with Tarazi and what she was doing that that would have been one of the single greatest. They
0: should have. Performances. I'm sorry. They should have.
1: Well, and, and, and like not a lot of people are talking about it, but there was that extremely questionable call down the stretch from the jump ball situation on Jewel Lloyd. Um, and there, was also
0: a, there was also a questionable call. I don't remember who it was uh, under the basket when it was clearly there should have been a foul on the shot, and instead they called it a jump ball, I believe. Like Natasha Howard, like, smacked somebody.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there was a, there was definitely – I don't remember that one as, as well as obviously the, the, the jump ball one. And I'm, I'm surprised there's not more people talking about it. Uh, but I think kind of the, the poise of Seattle in overtime and, and Terazi's performance overshadowed it. But, yeah, I mean, that was an incredible comeback by Phoenix. And it shows.
0: She hit three threes in a row when they were down by nine.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was stupid. Um, and so, but, but, I, but I, so then it goes to overtime. And I think for me that the biggest changing point in that overtime period, first and foremost from Phoenix' side of things, uh, Brittany Griner cannot cannot commit that foul. That is, um, I'm going to get pretty pretty harsh here and critical, but
0: this- should that have gotten called?
1: I, I don't know I, I mean she did grab her, she grabbed her arm, they replayed it, you know, and i the the announcers you know they 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 were they were agreeing with it and and I think I do too i just it was completely unnecessary um and the coach in me is gonna come out right now that that's a selfish play um you have to be smart, you have got to be um you've got to be like dotting your eye you know dotting your eyes crossing your teeth like you can't you can't commit that foul. That's your sixth foul. She, now she's on the bench. Now they're playing the, the remainder of this overtime period without you. I mean, we all know the presence that Griner has on the floor, not just offensively, but t- t- obviously on the defensive end of the floor from a rebounding standpoint. So that, that changed the whole dynamic right there um, when she committed that foul, which it didn't need to happen. Um, and then I, I just wanted to talk about the poise of the Seattle storm. I mean, to, to have a 19-point lead –
0: Wait, I need to I need to ask you before before we move on to the storm cuz I completely agree with everything you just said. You know, a, a lot of this blame falls on Griner and I'm I'm happy I wasn't in that locker room uh after the game cuz I know there'd be a lot of cuss words and possibly some throwing of stuff cuz I know if you're a fierce competitor that's going to happen. My question for you is there was multiple plays multiple plays where It wasn't that Seattle out-hustled them for the offensive rebound and got those jump balls or whatnot. It was just an an embarrassing show of defensive rebounding by the Phoenix Mercury. I understand Brittany Griner's not there, but you had multiple players who are more than capable of catching a rebound, and they had position, and the ball just bounces out of their hands, and they just can't secure the ball. The frustration level I had towards them, when you have Tarasi on the team doing just – I mean, nothing short of, you know, Moses-esque miracles. <laughs> Split in the sea. I mean, I, I don't, I, I personally, I said that Seattle Storm would sweep them. if it, Like, Seattle was going to sweep the Mercury. I believe I said that in the last episode. My question is, and now, now I want myself to be wrong because after that showing of what Taurasius did, I want her to bring it to game five. Do you think the Mercury can push it? Before we get on to Seattle, do you think they can push it and, and pull a few wins off and, and, and make this a series again, or is it done?
1: My initial reaction is no. Um, I feel like – now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counteract myself here. My initial reaction is no. Uh, what What happened last night was – was completely devastating, you know. I mean, to to have that, um, and then it's, it actually happened. You know, the first two games where they kind of made a run at the end, and Seattle, you know, always makes the comment of, "Hey, as long as you're playing, Phoenix, they're never out of it." Um, I'm not sitting here and saying that Tarazi's not going to bring it because she's one of the greatest competitors in the world um, in, in any sport. So I I feel like she will. I think the thing that Phoenix has going for them is obviously being back home um, is is good, and they get a couple days rest, which I I think is much needed for them. This is a team that's played six games in 12 days. So, um, you know, they do have a a little – not a little, probably a lot of, um, you know, exhaustion that they're battling right now. And so just to even have an extra day to rest um, is big. Um, I just – I genuinely question – the mentality of some of the other players kind of leading into, you know, game three. Um, are, are you going to be mentally tough enough to not make certain errors and to rebound the basketball, to go get this thing? Um, or are you going to kind of, I don't want to necessarily say roll over, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Tarazi, like you said, last night was not going to be denied. She was going to do any, anything and everything she could to win that game. And it felt like maybe there were some others that weren't on that same page. Um, and so I, I see a Phoenix team that to me, it kind of feels like, are are they all on the same page right now? They're struggling. There's some frustrations. They're not hitting shots. They're on the road. They're not getting calls. How they go home and respond um, to everything that just transpired up in Seattle, you know, that this is a tough situation for them to be in. Um, so, I, you know, I, my, my initial reaction is no. I have a feeling Seattle will sweep it. Best case scenario, Phoenix will maybe get one at home. Uh, but that's kind of just – that would be my prediction right now.
0: My, my initial reaction is to agree with you. Um, I, I would love to see some home cook wins. I would love to see Taurasi pull it out because, in all honesty, call me sentimental, the season she's been having has been – insane um there's a lot of talk about it early in the season i think it's kind of fallen off when people started to focus on the whole asia wilson thing the whole uh brianna stewart thing you know there, there's a lot of other stories and as we've talked about many times in uh on the insider and on this podcast um you know the lack of mainstream or or media coverage causes that when you read these stories for the most part you're only reading about like four players and you kind of get your uh, your tunnel vision on when it comes to that. I think it's going to be tough for them to pull it out. I personally hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Tarassi hit four threes in a row to send a game to overtime in game five. And and yeah, I, I personally I was kind of you know I'm hyped on the Bonner train. I didn't think she really showed up in the fourth as much as I would have liked to see. There's a few moments where she had sparks, but but she was never able to. Oh, that offensive foul on her, Rachel. Do you remember I that call? Do. Yeah thoughts i i was pissed off i don't think i I, based on the home cooking the refs were given uh all night i don't i mean i get why they called it but i don't call that at that point maybe maybe i'm just too much of let them play what are your thoughts i
1: i'm i agree with the call i don't i I do think it was you know her feet were set you go back you look at it to me this is what i was seeing but uh yeah no i mean i'm kind of with you there is kind of like an unsung like thought of like, Hey, at that point in the game, like, do you call that when it's kind of questionable? Um, but I guess at the end of the day, um, for me, you know, it probably was the right call if we're just talking, you know, pure basketball, uh, one (laughs) Oh one, uh, calls I I do. I feel like that was probably the right call. Um, I just, I hated that they called it. Um, it really, uh, that was a very deflating moment as well. All right, let's, let's move on to Seattle now. Um, I just, I just have a couple thoughts just generally going over them. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, can we just talk about how dominant they, they are? Um, just just kind of across the board, the way they're playing right now. Um, but I, but I, what I thought was interesting, you know, to have a team that's playing at home. You're up 1-0. You're getting ready to go up 2 You're up 19, and, and Tarazi is doing what she's doing, right? She's, she, like you said, um, Moses-esque type of miracles happening on the floor. Um, they cut the lead. They send it to overtime. Um, Dan Hughes kind of mentioned it in the press conference after how how difficult that is for a team when when you've given up a 19-point lead, you've got someone like Tarazi doing what she's doing, elevating her game to that level, and you have not a ton of momentum, and, and you're kind of sitting there shell-shocked as to what transpired. To be able to hit that reset button in overtime and to be mentally tough enough to fight through that adversity and, and uh, the, the togetherness that that involves, um, that, that is one of the most difficult things a team can do. Nine times out of 10, at your basic team in the country from the grassroots level to the professional level, that is a, an extremely devastating uh, situation to be in uh, for, for, for a team like the Seattle storm and just the way that they responded, the way um, they stuck together. And it all started with obviously the leadership of Sue Bird and, Kind of kind of what they said, hitting that reset button in that overtime period. And Dan Hughes was blown away by just the poise they showed and the way they were able to stay composed in that moment and come back and win. And I, I just wanted to echo it, too, because I was just completely blown away, um, not just with how talented they are and how well they're playing as a unit right now, but just how well they were able to respond. Uh, there, there were some key moments in that fourth quarter where... You know, do you remember the series where they like that they took a shot, they got an offensive rebound, and like they're trying to like tip it in? Jewel Lloyd's tipping it in. They get another offensive rebound. They put it back in. Like in that moment right there, you get that O board. You've got to kick it out. You've got to run some clock. You've you got to understand time and score in those scenarios. So we did see kind of some some rookie mistakes some some younger player type of mistakes down the stretch where, where it, the game wasn't played tremendously smart um, they almost felt like at points where they almost kind of trying to give it away um, so to respond to kind of some of those mistakes uh, that that they kind of committed in that fourth quarter and come back and win it I was just um, I'm very impressed with Seattle and um, it, it seems to me right now I mean I, I I mean I don't know I don't know that anyone can beat them how do you feel about it
0: I'm I'm very torn because on the one hand, part of me, you know, the, the angry side of me is like, dude, they blew it. Uh, yes, they pulled it out and that's great. But there were so many times that honestly, I was disappointed in not Sue Bird. Cause at times it kind of felt like everybody had that, that rookie moment. and Sue Bird was kind of running around like, guys, come on, you're, <laughs> you're giving, you're kind of giving into that. And honestly, I was a little bit disappointed in Tasha Howard. She played an amazing game late in the game. Look, there's many things about her that have made this team so good. One of the things that I think is the the most underrated, or maybe, maybe it's not underrated, but the fact that she has that playoff, that championship, that big game experience, I did not see her play like she had that experience at times late in the game last night um, when – you know, Tarasi was doing Tarasi things. It's easy for players to put their hands on their hips, take a breather, and kind of look like, you know, what can I do? She's playing ridiculous. But you don't see that from the greats like Sue Birdie. You don't see that from the greats like Diana Tarasi. So I was hoping to see a little bit more fight from uh Natasha Howard in that sense. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, look, the story the, the Mercury have a unique ability. That if they're playing at their best, I don't think we've seen the best from Brittany Griner. Um, and their three point shooting was horrible last night. So I think if they're playing at their best, this is a team that can give Seattle a run for their money. But as we're seeing, it, the the window is closing and closing. And do I think that you know uh, Washington or Atlanta has that same ability? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, you know they're very they're two very different style teams. And maybe I'm looking too far ahead. But, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think ahead and see what might happen and which team has the better ability to dethrone them, because I want I want some get five game series. You know, I don't want the finals done in three. I don't want the finals done in four. I want it best of five. And maybe that's me being selfish, wanting to prolong the season. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, I think we, we all do. None of us kind of want this to come to an end. But um, I, I'm just enjoying the moment right now because the, these, two, these two matchups right now in the midst of these, these uh, semifinals um, and the storylines kind of surrounding so much of it. I mean, we're in a moment in time right now that as a, as a women's basketball fan, as a WNBA fan, I'm just trying to soak in every moment of it because, uh, you know, just, just being able to see Tarazi and Bird out there together and playing at the level that they're playing at and all, all four of these great teams competing at this level. I mean, this, this is what it's about. Um, so I pray, I pray that well, everything goes to five games and we get as much as possible because I'm loving every second of it. Do you want to do the lottery and then be done?
0: I'm a fucking idiot and I keep pressing the mute button and then forgetting getting done, press it and then I keep talking and then realize i'm an
1: idiot i said i'm soaking in every minute of it
0: <laughs> rachel let's, let's talk about the lottery i couldn't agree with you more um how uh, how lucky can you get
1: <laughs> that <laughs> laugh that
0: bill lambier had was was absurd but i mean talk about two ends of the coin luck for aces i mean they better be a playoff team next year they better oh i, I I don't I think saying a, a ring contention is a little bit big and haughty, but you know, definitely in the middle of the pack I expect from them. Uh, Indy got screwed, Liberty defy odds and Chicago Chicago. <laughs>
1: Amber Stocks at Chicago. She's like, you know what? Whatever. I'm gonna roll with whatever. Um, she she's she's not gonna be phased by a whole lot. She you know she did just fine with her number four draft pick and 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 having another four having another number four pick with a deep draft um, and as fluid as a draft as this is probably gonna shake up to be. She's not too worried about it. Um, I do feel bad for Indiana. Um, I did any. I don't know if any of you saw Tamika Catching's reaction to it online last night, uh, but just to she's she, not happy. Just to see you know a, someone like her uh, being as vocal as she was, I mean, just just speaks volumes. And a number of the Fever players were kind of reacting like that. So uh, I feel bad for Indiana, but at the same time, you know, when you step back and you look at the the, the big picture of what this draft could be, um, and we're just now kind of starting to scratch the surface of even talking about it. um, you know, I think I think all four teams are are going to be fine. But um, happy for the Liberty. I think you know they needed a little bit of uh, a little bit of good news on their plate. Um, and but I, but yeah, I mean Las Vegas. And then you throw in you throw in the forfeit, and, and you throw in that actually worked in their favor when it comes to this. And it's their third number one pick. I mean it. We've been saying it all along there is something brewing in the water over there in Las Vegas. Um, and Bill Land Lamb- Well, answer me this,
0: Rachel. Vopal had a tweet that was basically like, you know, you can punish or should the forfeit be. She brought up the idea of, you know, you forfeit and you get the number one pick. Should you really be rewarded or, or be able to do that? What are your thoughts on, on that aspect of it?
1: When I first read it, I, 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 it definitely made me think um, because, you know, here's what, here's the way this this exact scenario kind of played out. The fact that you know they forfeited a game, they barely missed it. And now here you are, uh, but you know you follow you follow the draft guidelines in terms of of combined records for the last two years, and it is what it is. So I mean, you know I I don't know I don't know you know it def but it definitely made me think, um, and there is a part of you that doesn't that kind of sits here and you're like man that that doesn't seem fair, um, but. You know, for calling it a lottery, it is a lottery, and, and it is how things kind of shake up. And I know people are out there saying it's rigged and all these things, and I, I think that's a, obviously a, a slippery slope to go down. I don't even like to think about those things, but I mean, I, I think the laugh by Bill Lambier once, once that, that news first broke, he, he sounded like a kid like on Christmas morning. Um, just he was almost in complete shock himself because I, I don't think he even remotely anticipated that they would even have, a, you know, a shot at that.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was it was ridiculous. It was just, yeah. I mean, it, it was, yeah. And then, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. But I was just, first, oh, and I also, I got to give a shout-out to ESPN. Shout-out to Kurt Miller. Shout-out to whoever that guy was and the what? WNBA for finally, finally. Like, look, I criticize when they do stupid stuff. But I compliment when they do great stuff. And that was great. Kurt had some great, uh, great breakdowns during the game. And I hope they continue the streak of bringing WNBA coaches on so that they can actually have people who know the league, who know the game, talking about it, versus these slack-jog yokels just you know coming in and talking about it because they have a big name or they know basketball. You Know know the league before you start talking about the league.
1: Well, it definitely gave great insight. And, I mean, you know how I, how I feel about Kurt Miller. He, he is brilliant of a basketball mind that's out there. Um, and so to sit there and, and to have him on there and, and hear his analysis is uh, what we – people don't understand maybe all the time how fortunate we are to be able to, to, to listen to that. So I, I echo you on that. Um, get, get Kurt Miller on there as much as possible. Um, you know, hopefully. Hopefully they're they're still playing come this time next year, but um, get Kurt Miller, you know, for, for, for our sake on there as much as possible so we get a chance to, you know, like I said, just listen to it and even learn ourselves.
0: This has been an amazing episode. I'm Aria Schwartz. That was Rachel Galligan breaking down game two of the WNBA semis. Every week, every episode, important topics. Listen up.